One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, the weekly Sex and the City podcast where we usually take the iconic questions of Carrie Bradshaw and answer them for modern life and love. However, this week, that's right. And just like that, we are not doing that. And instead, we are talking about the brand new episodes of And Just Like That, which started last Thursday. As ever, you are listening to Juna Dawson and our Turk and cisgender white man, Dylan B. Jones. <laughs> And once again, we're joined by friend of the podcast and Radio One superstar, Clara Amfa. Welcome back. Hello. Thank Hi. you for allowing me to invite myself onto your podcast once again <laughs> because, baby, there is lots to discuss. But you know, we haven't had any new sex in the city for like ten years. Of course, everybody is excited to talk about it. It feels like kind of Christmas. Come early. I put out a um, I put out a thing on our podcast Instagram asking for people's thoughts with the view to like reading them out on the episode, but on this episode. But there have been so many, like literally like hundreds <laughs> of messages. Some of them were just like exclamation points and skull emojis <laughs> and like. People are people are shaken. <laughs> I love that. I love that people have gotten in touch. Um, yeah. <laughs> just just a brief moment at the top to say, please don't post, post spoilers on our social yeah. media because some people are not watching five minutes after it's landed on television. I the, I there's been a couple on our Twitter and there has been a couple on our Instagram. Let's give people time. I mean, I was watching yesterday morning at eight o'clock while I was having my cornflakes because I'm deranged. But <laughs> I mean, and obviously we should say this this podcast is going to be for. Oh, spoilers. absolutely! So, yeah, this is turn away yeah. now if you have not yet watched the first two yeah. episodes. Um, before we start, um, Clara, I have a really important question that has been troubling me for some time now. Hit me with it. Um, you know your new radio show. Yeah. Like, do you have your tea before or after? Thank you for asking me this. Because you know what? <laughs> it's right I'm, at dinner time. Babe, I'm trying to figure out exactly when the right time is to eat. I'm still working it out. Because around, I get to the studio for about 4, 4.30. And I'm still quite full from lunch then. Mm. And I'm usually like, really hungry around 7. So it's mm. like, well, okay, do I wait? like 10 minutes before I go live and just like Trowler Leon or whatever local delicacy. <laughs> yeah. Or do I wait until I get home around like 9.30? But then that's not 
that great either. So I'm trying to figure it out is my, is my answer. But oh, thank no. you for your concern and your inquiry. Yeah, that's, that, that has been, as soon as you announced <sighs> that you were moving to the, to the evening slot, I was like, what's she going to do about a tea? Like my mum, my mum is shook. <laughs> like if if I try, if I took on a job over dinner time, my mum, I don't know what she'd do. She'd send me food packages or something. She could send me some if she likes. Okay, I'll I'll get that. Actually, my mum doesn't listen to this podcast, so I will say you do not want my mother's food packages. Okay, <laughs> is that yeah? So, but, but enough of this. Um, people people have come to find out after ten years what the UK's largest Sex and City podcast thinks. Of the first two new episodes in 10 years, we have been watching um, episode one, Hello, It's Me, and episode two, Little Black Dress. Um, Now, uh, Mm. my friends, my WhatsApp has been popping off. This is the danger of having a noted Sex and the City podcast. Um, I am determined that this podcast will not just be an hour of us screaming words... (laughs) at each other that's because dylan and i were messaging each other yesterday just literally just words susan sharon being the obvious one oh um, my god <laughs> you think that this is no stop stop we mustn't do this we mustn't just descend into screaming susan sharon and bitsy von muffling we must not we must be good i know i know <laughs> she knows she knows nobody else knows she knows but stop we must stop this what we're going to do is we're going to very sensibly and like I used to be a primary school teacher, so it's going to be fine. We're going to kind of go through episode one, take a break, episode two. Yeah. And um, right out the top, I will say, Carrie doesn't ask questions. So we're not going to be answering questions in the way that we normally yeah. would be. We are just going to go through the episode and pick it to pieces. Well, <laughs> pick it to pieces. That's what we're here to do. I mean, it, it's not going to be uncritical but one of the things i really like is that um we have lots to discuss as was ever the case you know if sex in the city didn't raise lots of questions it wouldn't be sex in the city um so Mm. i'm going to try to steer this conversation so we kind of don't miss anything um so let's start then with the titles have gone they have not reshot Carrie walking around Manhattan. Um, there, there was yeah. a ghost, a ghost of the theme tune right at the top of episode one, but it doesn't appear again. Um, and the voiceover has gone, except for just these and just like that moments where her voice comes from the ether. Um, so there, there is no overall sort of narrative to these episodes we're kind of following a story um let's start off we start we open with the women at brunch where else where else was it gonna be um bitsy von muffling is there and without giving us a second to get used to anything um we have the explanation for samantha being absent which was leaked to the daily mail about a fortnight ago so if you were looking for spoilers it had been spoiled but what do we think, Samantha? Well, well, the thing that I noticed the most was the shade in the writing. The way in which they yeah. described her absence was very telling. And I remember texting a friend of mine being like, okay, where does the line between SJP and Kim Cattrall like start? 
and Samantha and Carrie um, end, you know? I mean, even that line sort of like, well, she fired me as a friend. And I'm... Yeah. And when she was like, I thought I was ATM. more than an Ooh. ATM to her. <gasps> um, I saw a tweet today saying Kim Cattrall should do a paid partnership <laughs> with Peloton. <laughs> Dylan, we're not there yet. <laughs> oh, yes. I know. Sorry, sorry already. Um, but I um, was really pissed off. I think we probably, or, or, probably speaking for all of us, when like it's just completely unreal it's it's ridiculous like i think we all wanted her to be killed off didn't we like a funeral for her well actually i don't know juno and i certainly didn't i I didn't want her to be killed off but i was expecting her to be to be not there right but i'm surprised actually that they've kept her alive and the sort of like you know platonic romantic in me is hoping that they did it just in case Kim Cattrall yeah. and SJP make up. I was thinking, what if it's the troll of the century that they've somehow managed to keep quiet and she fucking rocks up in like the final oh, episode? I would Can shit. You imagine? I would <laughs> shit. Literally, I'd kiss my hands. Yeah. But, and that's, I mean, I will say right at the top that the moments I found most affecting and most emotional were the Samantha moments because I really really I'm feeling her loss it it is it feels a bit like a bereavement and Miranda even says very early in two episodes one you know she might as well be dead because we, we never talk about her and and it just feels mm. sad and what makes it feel doubly sad is we know there's some really bad blood between Katral and Parker and and it is it's really sad but at the same time and we've said this lots and lots of times, I don't want Kim Cattrall to be in a work situation where she's miserable and doesn't want to be there. And Do we think it was, do we think it was the right choice for them to face it head on straight away? Or would it have been better if they had just... I think so. They had to say I, something. I think so. I mean, I found the first... I mean, the whole episode, which we will get to in order, do you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not going ahead too far. I, I know yeah. you've got your eye on me. I'm trying oh, to behave. But <laughs> i say the first 15 minutes of dialogue, I found quite jarring because they had to make every single Corona reference, like this past year reference, just to make it explicitly clear, as if we didn't know what we've all lived Ooh. for, and then slid in the <laughs> Samantha stuff amongst that, and I found that a little jo- a little jarring because mm-hmm. at some points it almost took away from the pain and the tenderness of what they are experiencing with Kim in real life and what their characters are experiencing with Samantha. It's like, oh yeah, she went to London, and it's a bit like, but was she really in the middle of a global pandemic? <laughs> nah. My babe would have been mm. in the Hamptons living her best life or in LA so she can get the sun all year <laughs> round. So she's not to deal with, you know, lockdown mm. New York winter. But London, come on, come on. Also that weird line from Bitsy where she was like, sexy sirens in their 60s are still vibing really? over there. What does that mean? Is she thinking yeah. of like Helen Mirren like, or something? I, I... Oh yeah, maybe. I don't know what I... that meant. Like... I, the word, so, particularly, so I'm, I'm treating episode one and episode two as actually different episodes, actually. And I found episode one, if there was one word to sum it up, I would say clunky. The machine yes. was coming back to life, but there were some mechanical issues. Not least, 
Carrie explaining her podcast and Instagram account to Miranda as if as if Miranda didn't know what was happening in Carrie's life. It's just that's and, and as a screenwriter, I was like, I I'm not getting away with that kind of dialogue. You know Well that was an that was an exposition dump, wasn't oh, it? Oh like, totally. A really, really clumsy, just like, here's what's going on, everyone. We're not even gonna try and like make it organic. Um but here it is. I read a lot of reviews after I'd finished and pretty much universally they said the first 20 minutes are awful. <laughs> yeah. But but um, but then most of them were like but stick with it. Yeah. Cuz um, I I felt some things it feels now this is there's there's no avoiding this and it's going to sound awful. I had some questions around Kristen Davis's performance. In mm-hmm. that, if I was going to get drunk and pretend to be Charlotte, that's how I would do it. Yes! <laughs> like, yes. like, sort of like, Lily, are you holding a dog? Kind of just that quite theatrical. And it's much more in line with the kind of the Charlotte that we saw in the films than the TV version as well, which I found interesting. Um, so yeah, I found, I found it a little, a little strange and you're right. That first very, very long brunch scene, we're still in the first scene, but the reason we're still on the first scene is because it's an incredibly long scene. And then Charlotte potters off and meets one of our new characters. um, LTW. LTW, Lisa Todd Wexley, um, immaculately dressed, Lisa Todd Wexley. Stunning. And Charlotte Stunning. kind of has like a platonic girl crush on um, at least Todd Wexley, who I believe she knows through school. Yeah, because the kids use, yep. do, do the same piano lesson. Mm. Have, have the same teacher. That's it. Yeah. So I think, I think yeah, the, the, it, I, so I've been avoiding reviews because I just, I kind of just don't want to know and I want to make my own mind up. But I think, yeah, that yeah. first scene didn't do didn't do it any favours. There was also the weird thing with the chips. She was like... (laughs) The chip! I'm so obsessed with the chips. Carrie was like, oh, like, felt really bad about ordering chips. And it's like, what? And then Lisa Todd, LTW, was like, oh, are they still greasy? And it's like, what? It was just awkward and weird. I didn't even know what was happening. Um, Can we talk about the new characters? Yeah. Well, should we t- should we talk about because be- before before we leave brunch, can we just have a word about the out of nowhere conversation about Miranda's hair color as well? Oh, listen, what? and this again, this comes back to your point about Charlotte almost becoming this. Well, Kristen Davis and her performance as Charlotte almost becoming a caricature of all the things that. You know, like the prim and proper things about Charlotte that we found charming were always teetering and jarring, but were never jarring. But with this one, she just went, she went ham. And I was shocked at how, I mean, essentially like how shamey, for want of a better word, she was being towards Miranda. It's like, she's an established woman, you know, She's got nothing to prove, no one to be sexy or confident for besides her damn self and her husband as she feels like it. She has a whole red-headed child. No one is, you know, questioning her genetics <laughs> and how that's going to pan out. Die. So she doesn't want to dye her hair fucking red. It's okay, babe. But the way she went in on her, but I I loved um, Miranda's response. It's like, look, 
you're no you just don't want people to think that where they're sold like that's your problem yeah. I, and i love the comeback to that but yeah charlotte's energy is again for one of the overphrased uh 2021 word is chaotic <laughs> this whole thing this whole the whole thing is chaotic isn't it like the whole reboot was so chaotic i also thought and that's interesting what you said clara because i thought particularly in that brunch scene their dialogue was like a lot spicier they were being a lot meaner to each other than they usually than i remember them being when carrie was like so what i changed the subject life's too short and it was a bit like okay, <laughs> like, they were just being really, like, a bit nasty to each other. Mm. Um, but maybe that was the writers just kind of wanting to, like, be like, right, we're back, we're having fun. I don't know. It's just art, just strange, and, and, and as well, why, it's the way it came out of nowhere. It was sort of like, I think we should talk about hair colour and being old. Again, it felt like <laughs> a student, student production of Sex and the City, kind of. <laughs> Hi, girls. Let's talk about feminism. It kind of just it felt like, like, where did that? And maybe I could have even forgiven it. Martha Miranda had said, so I start college next week. Do you think I should dye my hair? Because at least then it would have yeah. been coming from her and not Charlotte going, Miranda? Mm. Oh my God, that's literally, that's quite a good Kristen Davis. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> Bonkers. But I guess they also was... did it just to show, and even like bringing LTW's character that soon to show that I think Charlotte's quite lost in the sort of Upper East Side source and will always be a yeah. little bit obsessed with keeping up with the Joneses and letting people know, like, you know, again, I'm not trying to move too far ahead, do you know, but, you know, you the can dress conversation. Okay, mm. thanks. But, like, That's you know, even with her wanting to get her daughters in those matching Oscar de la Renta dresses, her wanting to impress LTW, like, you can tell she's still obsessed with preserving, you know, that Upper East Side, um, well, yeah, veneer. And so, and mm. to her, Miranda's a disruption. It's like, this bitch's been your friend for, like, over 20 years. Like, come on. And that's <laughs> what bugs me, because after this long, with, with my friend, we all turned 40 this year, basically, with my friends now, we just wouldn't have that conversation because I don't care what my friends do with their hair or with their bodies. It's kind of, you know, we've been friends since we were teenagers. Well, I'm not going to try and influence my friends to change their bodies because mm. that's deranged. Kind of. um, let's move on because we, we must. Um, we then, we rejoin the world that we left with Sex and the City 2. And we've dealt with Samantha. She's gone. She's gone now. We have to just move on. Um, we we meet and re-meet Big and Harry and Steve and Stanford and Anthony. I think before we do the new characters, let's let's catch up with where we left off with the others. Mm. I felt there there was some clunk. Again, there's my word of the week, some clunkiness around the men in their lives as well. Um lesser Chris Nerf, who slid back in to Mr. Big, like he does it oh. every day. Like he's never stopped doing it. Dancing around the kitchen. I, I must admit, 
Did I love the COVID references? No. Do I buy that they did a vinyl of the day during lockdown? Yes, I do. Absolutely. That did ring true. Yeah. So, you know, when we started this thing on day three of the lockdown. Oh, it was oh so, God. It was so weird hearing Carrie Bradshaw say the word lockdown. I, I could not. Um, but I was going to say quickly about the fact that they referenced lockdown and then Later, Miranda mentions the Muslim ban. Mm -hmm. This is the first time Sex and the City has ever connected with the real world like that. No. Like, they've never, like, really? Giuliani shutting down the sex shops. True. One time, one time in the whole series, there was a reference to the then Mayor Rudolph Giuliani closing down the sex shops before he kind of became like a 9-11 hero, kind of. Mm. And you forget he was kind of a villain who kind of redeemed Mm. himself through 9-11. but no, you're right. Sex and the City never seen because it never mentioned nine eleven. Notably, yeah. there was a reference on the screen, but they never actually referenced nine eleven in the lives of the women. Um, so you know, we're very much in the real world. Coronavirus is mentioned to excruciating detail in a way that we kind of still traumatized from it, and I think there is a danger that these kind of conversations in drama can be slightly triggering. What did you think, Clara? Yeah, it's... Um, do you know what? I actually... I haven't, haven't thought about that. Like, every time they mentioned it, my eyes rolled a little bit because I just think <laughs> you didn't have to be that on the nose about it. Again, going back to Carrie saying, well, you know, on day three of lockdown, like, why are you saying that to your husband like he wasn't there? He knows, Carrie. Yeah. yeah. He knows. You know? Good, good point. Mm-hmm. Good point. Um, and, you know, and later on, we, we, we learn another character has literally died of COVID. Mm. And, and again, I get it, but not, it just wasn't necessary all the way through. And again, and that didn't work either because Bitsy appears twice in episode one and two. In episode one, when she briefly thinks Samantha has died. She doesn't mention that Bobby Fine has died of COVID. Whereas in episode two, we find out that Nathan Lane's character, Bobby Fine, has died of COVID. So, um, yeah, keep it together, script editor. Mm. It's really risky as well, because everything just changes so rapidly with the current situation. Mm. And they've written it at a very specific time period. So, like, they don't know what the situation... As it happens... It's been fine, but they don't know what the situation was going to be like. Like when Bitsy's like, oh, remember when we couldn't, but what if when that episode came out, restrictions had come? Like, it, it's so, it, it also ages it, immediately mm. ages it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, interesting. Interesting decision. I, I am making the decision for my stuff, both the scripts and books that I'm working on, COVID is not being referenced. I think they will right. curdle. They will curdle really fast. And I think they could have mm. made references without making so many references. It, there, was, there were a lot. Um, mm. But then I guess they were writing this during lockdown. This is when they were writing it. So I guess it was very on their minds. But um, anyway, um, Steve... So the boys, Steve, the boys. Steve's death thing. No, not funny. Again, or, no. just... I'm not against the storyline per se, but the way they introduced it... Clunky, just him being yeah. like, "Hey, what? <laughs> huh? Well, it's forty percent in this here." 
I he just, knows. It's his ears, Miranda. Again, just, yeah, flipping conky, man. I, they, I think they, how could they have slowly introduced it into a whole series? Uh, I, I get why I they did know. it up front, but I just think the way in which they did it wasn't that elegant. No. As, and as well, the sort of the weirdness about Harry, Harry Goldenblatt with the Jew in a bike helmet line. I'm like, what? Oh, and also, oh no, hang on. We're talking about the boys. We'll we'll get to another awful bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I might. I think I might know who you think. Yes, a, a certain mother-daughter exchange, which made my eyes roll back into my oh, forehead God. and back again. I was like, really? Oh God, is is this Charlotte and Lily? It it, it sure is. I'm like, oh, go on. Who in the writers' room wrote that? Listen, if an Asian American woman wrote that, baby, I'm not speaking for or you for you and on your behalf. Have at it. You absolutely have your cultural and artistic license to write dialogue like that. But in the gut pit of my stomach, I suspect that was not written by an Asian woman. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but I suspect it wasn't. I doubt it was ad-libbed by the actress who plays Lily. The interesting thing is, Kristen Davis is the adoptive mother of non-white children. Mm-hmm. So knowing oh, that she's got, she has a black daughter, and just knowing that she could make that sort of joke about like, oh, you, no, you rescued me, and the daughter saying you, it just it made me feel away. I didn't like it. Do you know what? If if anyone knows the facts behind this, feel free to correct Please. me, but. These episodes have Michael Patrick King written all over them. Like, he wrote them. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. They have, they, that's what they have his name on them, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're credited as him. I mean, you never know who's had input like behind the scenes, but I'm pretty sure they were like 100% him. There, there is there um, is a big writer's room, and it's more diverse writer's room. All of them get co-producer credits. But that that kind of line... And we'll get we'll get to Che Diaz in, in a moment as well. But um, mm. yeah, there are some lines which are kind of like, who wrote that? I will say I will say this for both Rose and Lily. I thought those two actors, fantastic, yeah. like they'd been there yeah. for a, the whole time. Actually, the Brady actor I thought was wonderful as well. Quite mm. the highly sexed Brady Hobbs. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, no, I, th- I thought um, Lily and Rose were, were quite wonderful. I have I have a message from our producer Martin saying, please, can you discuss that Lily is a very cursed child. Who is out to destroy Carrie Bradshaw's life? Oh, yeah. Which we will, yes, which we because... will get to at the end of yeah. the episode. We'll but, the, but the evidence against Lily Goldenblatt being a hex I hadn't even, upon Carrie Bradshaw. I hadn't Bradshaw. even thought of that. I hadn't even thought of it. But when you think back, yeah. mm. an enemy of progress. <laughs> she 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 did thwart Carrie Bradshaw's wedding, and yeah, worse is yet to come. Mm. Um, so having enemy having of the pod. yeah having having. <laughs> Having caught up with with the returning characters. Oh, hang on now, and I'll tell you because I will see who I have seen a lot of hate for online. Is obviously we are not speaking ill of Willie Garson, who is a legend, but a lot of people feeling displeased at Stanford's attitude in particular. Um, Stanford mm. and Anthony. So I'm going to say it because obviously we haven't as yet reached. Um, Stanford and Anthony's relationship on the podcast. I hated Stanford and Anthony getting married. I didn't get it. And it really kind of me fed to that kind of quite homophobic trope that, 
any two men will just get together. Yeah. You know, all, all two men need to be is gay for them to get on. And and I like that when Anthony and, and Stanford first meet in series four at that fashion show, they instantly despise each other and it just doesn't work. And so I never and then they it gets even worse in series six where where Anthony outs Paul as being a hustler. Um so I never bought Stanford and Anthony being together. And I still don't like them being together now. So it's consistent, actually. I do and I don't with those two because I like the fact that they were so opposite, but then they found they found a sweet spot in each other. You know, obviously, they're both super, like, neurotic, super opinionated, and but then, but then, yeah. At the same time, it is quite cliche because they both are like the sort of I don't. Know, if there is a version of like the manic pixie gay best friend of these two <laughs> fabulous New York women, it's like, well, those two are best friends, so they should be together, which is quite jarring. But yeah, I kind of. Do you know what I think would have been more fab for them to have divorced? by the time and just like that came around and then they maybe they've seen each other at the theatre being like oh hello you hey you alright cool. and had a funny exchange in that Ooh, way yeah. rather seeing them just like hating each I other I always enjoy um, I always blank on his name Anthony Mario Mario Yeah, yeah I always enjoy him um to be honest, I mean, and this probably speaks volumes. Like, I didn't really care when they, I was like, "Get back to the girls" when they were on screen, Ooh. like, which is interesting. Yeah, mm. which is interesting. Like, and I'm a gay man watching it as well, and I was like, "I don't care." Because I am <laughs> so. obviously knowing that we midway through the series, the cast lost Willie Garson, which must have just been the most horrific loss. Mm. I found mm. his scenes incredibly sad. Um, yeah, you know, I think by and large, it's understood that nobody really knew how ill he was. Um, well, Chris Knopf said in an interview quite recently that they were never on set together. And so when, when, when they were both filming, Chris Knopf didn't really make any effort to reach out to Willie Garth and thinking he would see him some other time, I guess. And, right. and yeah, of course, it was, it was too, too late. And, and that's what he said. And the other thing that Chris Knopf said in this interview was that they had big plans for the Stanford character. So I think wherever he's going narratively, it's definitely not what they were planning for him and Anthony's characters. So I, I think wow. it's going to, whatever, whatever's going on with, with Anthony and Stanford, it's not going to end you know, in any sort of satisfactory way. And I think we've almost got to brace ourselves for that now, which is we're not going to get any sense of a closure, I don't think, for that relationship. Mm. Um, but I did, like, I... I and now I'm jumping forward, but in the second episode where Stanford, for no reason, moves that poor old woman from out of his chair. What the fuck is your problem, Stanford? I'm still bewildered by that. I don't understand the attitude. It was very right? odd. Very odd. It's a funeral. Calm down immediately. But we'll get, sorry, yeah. whose funeral is it? We haven't even got to a death yet. Um, so having having caught up with the old ones, let's talk about our much-heralded new characters who arrive in the form of Miranda's master's lecturer. I was surprised and delighted to see Miranda going back to university to do a master's in human rights, um, where she meets her lecturer, um, Naya Wallace. Um, now, that scene, again, getting, <laughs> getting, it's been getting some heat online with a lot of people saying, why is Miranda such a dick? Now, 
at this podcast, we have many, many times criticised Sex in the City for its complete lack of diversity and for not having conversations around race. So it would feel a little bit petty for us to be like, oh my God, and now she's having conversations about race and I want to pull my face off, kind of. Was that scene excruciating? Wow. Yes. But I think it was meant to be excruciating. Well, this is it. Because if I think, if there's one thing that, and just like that, has got correct, and don't get me wrong, it hasn't, it's not perfect, but the portrayal of the over-apologetic, middle-class, liberal white woman in a metropolitan city, I mean, they smashed it. Because Miranda is exactly the type of person, like, in the heat, of BLM, like June 2020, that era, would have been the person, literally, because I had messages like that in my DMs, Clara, you know what, um, if you need me to help with anything, or who would have posted up that picture of the black hand and the white hand linking pinky fingers, <laughs> saying, I may not understand, but I stand with you. And all that. Like, Miranda would have been like, you know, like that woman, you know? And, <laughs> and the way in which they wrote those scenes, they were excruciating, but it was brilliant for Ooh. that. Because it's just a thing of like, no, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And, and yeah, and, and and I remember messaging like all my, all my black girlfriends being like, Jesus Christ, she <laughs> is that woman. She is that woman. And I think, I wonder if the backlash to those scenes have been that people would have expected it more from Charlotte and that Miranda would have been further ahead mm. and kind of Miranda wouldn't have made such a fucking song and dance. Uh, which, and then, even where she keeps doing it, she does it in both episode one and episode two. Um, um, but I, I think, unlike some of the stuff with Charlotte and Carrie's dialogue and some of Che's dialogue as well. I think the scenes with Nia and Miranda were intentional. Yes. I think they're meant to be mm. awful. They're meant to be bad. And and I think I think it was a great... Sorry, Gina, to interrupt you. Um, I thought it was a great... So. I, thought <laughs> it was, um, I, thought, I thought that was the way to do it. Yeah. So rather than just like having them be, I hate this word, I think this word should be banned, but just having them be woke, mm -hmm. um, they have them trying to adjust and getting it wrong, which I think is like the perfect way to do it. I, I have a theory. Do you want to hear my theory? Go on. And this is, we, we'll come back to this, my theory, because I think I prove it later on. <laughs> the difference between Sex and the City and, and Just Like That is we now have um, Cynthia Nixon and Kristen Davis as executive producers. So they are calling the shots in a way they have never called the shots previously. I think Cynthia Nixon has said, I will come back to this series, but I want much more complicated, nuanced storylines for Miranda. And of course, we, we will get to this. We can see it coming down the highway. Yeah. It's Miranda's drinking problem, everyone. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like an 18-wheeler. And, and, just, her, and her pending um, bisexual panic. Oh, yep. Yeah. It's just, it's like... I can hear the horns, the driver is honking. I'm, these, these, these subtle clues, they're not so subtle. God, I wonder if there's a bar open at 7am, said Miranda, for no reason. I could go to Pret or a crack den. What? <laughs> what? Before you know it, it's going to be 6am. Miranda's going to have been at G-Spot all night. Mm -hmm. um, 
dancing away with the power lesbians. It's, yeah, it's it's um, a lot. Yes, um, the uh, love tunnel with the <laughs> love tunnel with the amazing yeah. lesbians with the great shoes. Um, So there's a lot coming down the road towards Miranda, clearly. And and I think the stuff with Naya is one of those plots where Miranda has said, no, I want her to be a dick. I don't want my character to be this perfect person who has done all the work and done all the learning. I, I think Cynthia Nixon wants us to see the awkwardness of those interactions and how inappropriate they are and just I, th- I think there is a choice there and I think Absolutely. as an yeah and I think as an audience we are invited to um share in the awkwardness mm. um I think less deliberate and this I think now Dylan Clara we need to do some soul searching is our podcast about that <laughs> <laughs> No and I watched, way. and I was like, is, is this our podcast? No. There are certain parallels. There are certain parallels, but we don't have a fucking woke alarm. We so do have Trans Corner, though. We have Bing Bong Bing. We've got Trans Corner. <laughs> and we do introduce people as, like, the token, whatever, a straight man. We introduced Joel Golby as the token straight man, I think. We did introduce Joel Golby, and it's like, oh, no. Nah. <laughs> um, like, and we do, we, 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 come, we come swooping in with our... With our, again, horrible word, we come swooping in with our woke interpretation of a 25-year-old sitcom. Maybe we had this coming. Maybe this is poetic justice that <laughs> we, we have to, we're now doomed to watch ourselves dramatised in maybe HBO it's based, sitcoms. Maybe it's based on our podcast. You never know. I imagine they'll listen to it religiously. You know what? I'm not even joking. I guarantee you... That somebody on that team knows who the fuck are you guys are. 100%. 100%. They're aware of you. They're aware. Oh, no. Nah, I've got a show in sure development with HBO that. as well. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe it's time to stop the podcast. Um, HBO, HBO, I love you. HBO, please don't take my show out of development. I love you. It would be the dream. Um, so, yeah. So, we have... So, again, we, we haven't done a potted synopsis, but we have now Carrie... Her job, as well as taking photographs of doorknobs, is um is she does a podcast with a comedian, a non-binary comedian called Che Diaz, played by Sarah Ramirez, and some other comedian guy who is not funny. So I think he, I hope he has a day job as well. Um, yeah. and it's called X Y and Me, I think. And the thing I think it did really well is that it kind of highlights what we've said for three years on our podcast, which is Carrie is the most prudish sex columnist since time began. And it was refreshing to see Che call Carrie out on that. Like, like you were the urgy sex columnist. And in, in Che's words, you need to step your pussy up. Pussy up. <laughs> step your pussy up. But yes, no, the, 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 the <laughs> podcast, it feels like it was written by somebody who has never listened to a podcast. Um, or to a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh, so bad. Like, what should we talk about today? Masturbation. Go. It also didn't quite make sense. Like, Che was acting like Carrie's, like they were Carrie's boss. Yeah. Which doesn't quite, that's not really how it works. Like, when Che gave Carrie, like, the talking to in the lift, mm. I was a bit like, but that's, that's not how podcasts work, really. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was as if, it was as if it, it was her job. But it's not really it's not really a job, is it? It's not like a... not unless sometimes I've done guest spots on very corporate kind of podcasts, which are kind of put together mm. by like cosmetics companies, 
and, and it's kind of right. basically a Trojan horse to sell things. But I didn't get the impression that X, Y, and me is that, unless, unless maybe Che is a very successful comedian, unless Curry is their guest on the podcast. Um, so maybe that's why Carrie is subordinate to Che in that situation. So maybe it's Che's mm. podcast and the other two that's are sidekicks. I, that's what I thought. Yeah, mm. you can see that they are that prime example of maybe a comedian who was like, right, obviously I can't talk because there's been a pandemic. So I'm going to start a podcast. Who am I going to call? An old touring buddy. And oh my gosh. I used to read this column that I shouldn't have read when I was like 15 years old. Let me slide into her DMs and ask her to be a contributor. And that's how it came about in my mind. That's what's happened, you know? But Che has asserted themselves as a leader because they're a confident and good stand-up. Yeah. And I will will say this, if I had doubts about Che in episode one, by episode two, I was really rather fond. Yes. So, (laughs) So actually... I'm going to, again, by the end of this podcast, I'm in a much better place with Che than I was in that hideous podcast. I love all of the new characters. Mm. Like, I think they smashed it. Like, they're all really cool and interesting. D- difficult because um, it feels they've been brought to us very quickly. Like, kind of, and yeah. we've got more to come. We've got the Seema character coming in at some point oh, as yeah. well. Um, who who yeah. was pre-announced. Um, I, I felt of the three new characters, I got the least grasp on the LTW um, because she simply had the least screen time. Um, I, we, we don't really know their husbands yet, other than they both have very handsome husbands. Um, I did, I love, I did love um, Anthony referring to her as Black Charlotte, which I, I just think is again, Mike. <laughs> Michael Patrick King, I, I feel you in the room, kind of. Yeah. Because honestly, when it happened, I was like, did he just, what? <laughs> Hang on. And I, I genuinely wound it. I was like, wow, you really said that with your chest in 2021. But then, of course, Anthony's character <laughs> would. would say that. Yeah. Would yeah. say that. Yeah. And, <laughs> and this leads us nicely to the, the other scene which I've seen being widely discussed. Um, which is the the Mr. Big masturbation moment, um, oh. which I'm which I'm not <laughs> mad at. I think twenty five years on, this show <laughs> has got to still shock in the way that it did when because now when when you look at Miranda Carey, Samantha, and Charlotte talking about anal sex in the back of a taxi, that was shocking for nineteen ninety eight. Now we've got Euphoria where you can see a teenage transgender girl being anally penetrated by the guy from Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> We've moved on. <laughs> We've moved on, Carrie. Um, step your pussy up. Um, a bat and, is on the order. <laughs> and and what, what can you do when, with the, with the precinct we've got, we've got now three women in their late 50s talking about sex. I think they sh- we should be seeing the sex lives of 50-year-old people. And I do think that includes Mr. Big Wanking. But I wonder if what's odd about the scene, please feel free to discuss, is it just the weird, the way it kind of came about, like where Carrie, it was like this kind of quasi-dominatrix masturbate for me <laughs> moment, which was a bit like, 
um, kind of like, what, like, now? Like, do, I mean, warm me up a bit, talk dirty, or something, you know, kind of like, can we put some porn on? I don't know. What did, what did we think? Because a lot of people are talking about that scene. Oh, gosh. I mean, well, there were two things for me. It wasn't necessarily about the conversation. The thing that actually made me feel the most uncomfortable was the camera angle. It was really voyeuristic that didn't, and it took away any like sensuality out of it or any like titillation. It, I felt gross watching it a little bit because I think there's one particular scene and it's like literally over her shoulder and you see him like getting warmed up and he looks like, like a nasty, you know, sexual predator who masturbates at a bus stop. He was giving me that rather than a guy getting aroused by his wife. And, and it, had, it had potential to be truly sexy and it just felt a bit, a bit grubby. But then I like the fact that obviously the humour came in when it's like, carry my carry. And, it, and, and that was ironically the sexiest part that they laughed about it at yeah. the end, you know? Yeah, with, that was really cute at the end. With the line, that's some Bridgerton shit. Yeah. As well. You all, I almost missed the line, but that's some Bridgerton shit. There well, we go. It's like, well done. We get it. You've been watching yeah. all the hot TV. Congratulations. <laughs> um, which brings us to the end of the episode, which is much. We we knew we so much had been said. We knew we we thought it was as soon as he as, as soon as Allegra. God, bad week to be a woman called Allegra. As soon as, as soon as Allegra and Peloton were mentioned, I was like, uh-oh. So, so do you know what I realised on my second uh, rewatch of it? Carrie's last words to Mr. Big are, tell that whore Allegra I said mm. hi. And it was so, it was so funny because it was so them. Because the yeah. way he laughed at her saying that, he laughed yeah. that way of like, oh, I love my wife. Like, I just love our yeah. humour. And it's, and it's those moments is what makes people love Carrie and Big, I have to say, I genuinely did not expect his death because I was so convinced it was going to be Kim Cattrall. I was genuinely shocked when it yeah. happened. And when I tell you, I screamed. I was sobbing on my sofa. Acting! Acting! It was, it was so horrifying. Like, it was so horrifying. And oh my God, she was just, she was just incredible. One one note, one note that I've made is like throughout these, both of these episodes, she is giving it 300%. She's like, I'm Carrie again. This is the role. This is my role that I was born to play and I'm going to fucking do it. And she absolutely nailed 100%. it. hundred um, percent. She's incredible. extraordinary throughout yeah. both episodes. Um, yeah. Fl- flawless. And the scene, the scene, her screaming John. She's she's called. Oh. I don't think I don't know if she's ever really called him John. And so to hear and obviously a lot's been said about the shoes, the, the ruining ruining the wedding shoes. And some people have been pedantic about her not dialing nine one one nine one one immediately. Yeah. But I'm gonna like she, her, he was still alive when she found him, and maybe she thought if she she's not a doctor, and not, how would any of us react in that situation? So I'm not. I'm not gonna be pernickety about her not instantly dialing 911 um and yeah and just like that big was dead oh that was and just like that big died oh big died 
<laughs> I watched it on a, I'm not going to lie, I was I was quite hungover when I watched them the first time. And I was like, right, I was feeling a bit down and tired. And I was like, right, this is going to bring some sunshine and excitement back into my mood. <laughs> not, not today, But Satan. I think now we know possibly why they dropped two episodes. Because imagine just ending and leaving people for a week on that, like... Um, Unthinkable. Um, and yeah, I was, it, it was just, they were so happy as well. It was, so happy. you know, with oh the God. and it's when you think about this now, if you ignore the films, and possibly we should, the whole first six seasons were about them getting together. Ten years later, he is taken away from us. So if the first mm. half of this story was all about them getting together, that's it. That story is done. But I will say this. A lot of people were like, fucking hell on my WhatsApp. This is the reason the show is back. What else was there? Because I'll tell you what, Sex and the City 2 proved without doubt that there was not a story to tell about Carrie and Big's marriage. If the best they could do is, please don't put a telly in our bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> that that is not a conversation we need to be having on HBO. So this is the reason. This is why we're back. And I completely yeah. applaud their boldness. Mm. Because otherwise, yeah. if you're not going to go hard, why are we here? Why are we bothering? Are we just trotting this out for nostalgia's sake? Yeah. You, I've I'm said, impressed. Yeah. I'm impressed. And it looks like a lot of other people are as well. And just their chemistry to the very end. Like, for me, the bits that really broke my heart as well was the eye contact that he made oh. with her as he was literally dying. And when he, oh. and there's one bit just towards the end when he slowly has a bit of life left in him and he lifts up his arm just to touch hers. And it, uh, mate, I'm going to have to watch it again when mm. we're done. Because <laughs> it, it was, it was truly stunning. And then the callbacks to their life together in the funeral service were just, were just beautiful but also on a crass note but obviously they did this on purpose we all thought he was going to have a wank over Allegra didn't we (laughs) (laughs) well well let's take a little break and when we get back we will move into any of the gossips on episode two stay right there If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, welcome back to So I Got to Thinking. So much to discuss. This this is welcome to the five hour conversation about episode one and two. Uh-huh. Um, so yes, big just like that. Big was dead. Big died. Allegra. Allegra. But I think I think there's more. We're we're going to learn more about Mister Big, and there are clues as we move into episode two, which. Again, it's difficult. So without without the voiceover, without Carrie wedging together their lives, it's some it's slightly more difficult to see the relevance to all these plot threads. Because that was the nice thing about Carrie's voiceover. She went to great lengths to explain how their lives were connected. So in episode two, we have a thread about Miranda being a white saviour. We have a thread about Charlotte being over-emotional and it's kind of played for laughs that Charlotte keeps bursting into tears. I'm not as mad at episode two as I was at episode one. I thought by episode two, I was like, oh, right, we're all back into it now. It's Everything's fine. And actually, I did think the funeral home scene with Charlotte was, was, was quite funny, actually. Um, and it's difficult. It's really difficult to derive humour from a funeral home and yet... They managed. I thought it was funny. I think Carrie, Sarah Jessica Parker's performance, again, that sort of the tightly wound Carrie throughout this episode. I don't even think we've started to deal with her grief yet. Um, And I was thinking, it's really, I watched it with Chris, my boyfriend, and he was saying that he was surprised. And he was like, I can't think of another show that has suddenly done such a u-turn and deals with grief like this like what shows do we have at the moment right now that are dealing with grief as a major theme and i was like wow you're right Mm. um so interesting yeah and bold as we said before the break so yeah so i think i think this is going to be this is what the rest of the series is going to be about i I don't see that carry it's not like with the because some people have compared this episode too to that middle section of sex and the city the movie immediately after the wedding where Samantha has to spoon feed Carrie in a darkened hotel room in Mexico, um, which has a special place in my heart. So, but where is, and then all of a sudden Charlotte shits herself and Carrie's fine again and she kind of bounces back. And I don't see Carrie bouncing back in quite the same way. How do you bounce back from your husband dropping dead in the shower, kind of? Well, that's the thing. You, you don't. And I absolutely loved... Um, how they played out the process of her choosing where to have the service and her sort of references to his character, like, you know, he'd never want a rental. You know, this isn't him. You just, 
this woman like felt and lived this man like to her bones, you know? And the thing is, you even saw like walking into that, that nasty funeral place. I mean, it wasn't nasty, but it's very pink and very bright. It's not him. It wasn't yeah, not him. Harry, not big. You could see her disgust almost. She's like, what the fuck am I doing here? And again, that it just it just brought back just how much they um how much they loved loved each other and and mm. oh gosh, it's too much. It's too it's, oh, her <laughs> poise, her poise, her as Stanford yeah. says, the fact she serves a look at the funeral. She pulls a look together. She pulls a look together. <laughs> she has that was a she has the hat the hat on the, the thing on her yeah. Oh. The decorative the shoe the shoes those beautiful fair. kind of ankle boots beautiful. I also love it when she says, when someone like compliments how chic the venue is and she just says like, Carrie really seriously just says, thank God for these lesbians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, Michael the Patrick King. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's Michael Patrick King. King again, I did. Sure. I'm, I'm going to say this now. I only cried at okay. one point in the two episodes. Can you guess the point where oh, I cried? I know. I reckon. It's I know it as well. Carrie sees those gorgeous white flowers on Big's cast it and... They're like, she's like, why? I didn't say any flowers. No, 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 no. Seize the envelope from Samantha. And Juno, I'm with you. Sold. Yeah. Yeah. I did that. I was holding it together so well. I got through the Peloton. I did really, really well. <laughs> I got through Charlotte in the funeral home. And then it was yeah, the the thing. And I, some people have been like, no, I don't buy this. Samantha would have come back. Um. But we don't really know what's happened, and I and what what's become clear now by the end of episode two that even with Catral absent, Samantha is still very present, mm-hmm. and that's that's there's even clever. like there's even like when Carrie was texting her, and I was mm-hmm. like, is she going to text back? Like, are we going to get like a text from Samantha when she doesn't exist anymore? Like, what is happening? Please, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's. Um, I mean, we, we don't know. So at the moment, we've only got Carrie's version. This this idea that oh, you know, I fired her, and so she's got the hump. Maybe there was something else that we we don't know about. So I think it's genius how how the presence of Samantha is so felt, and I think it's very clever. Which is, what do you do when you have an absence? And and obviously, obviously, now we've got Chris Nose being absent as well um i thought the funeral was beautiful um let's talk immediately about susan sharon please <laughs> because i screamed i clapped i screamed max was in the next room and i was like susan sharon's back and he was like we Who? said we were saying like just maybe last week if only they could bring susan we didn't know we were like if only they could bring susan sharon back and there she fucking was looking fantastic I wish- <laughs> looking Great amazing Yep, her cash, her cashmere connection is back. <laughs> I loved when she was so again that word chaotic when she was like hoiking up her bum bag <laughs> and like just like going on about what was she on about? I loved like, that no whole knows. scene, that kind of like Carrie, it's forgotten. You are forgiven. We can deal with this when you have bandwidth because that has happened to me. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is that all of them throughout all the series and those cursed films have been awful to people indirectly. <laughs> and they've probably yeah. pissed off a lot of fucking people, but would not know. Yeah. So Maybe Susan Sharon didn't get an invite to the wedding. Maybe that's what it's about. Maybe she didn't get an invite or... Didn't she tell her to leave... Didn't Carrie tell her to leave her husband? That was the whole thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. But then they got the little dog. They got, they got Charlotte's dog oh, and yes. it fixed Maybe them. the dog... Mm. Maybe the dog did something, like, 
shat on their sofa. It's Charlotte's dog. Don't blame Carrie. It was True. Charlotte's dog. Um, but either way, it was a gift. I loved, and I also loved Bitsy Von Muffling. Again, people will tell you they understand. They don't. <laughs> I do. And this, this is when, when, I, when I taught, back when I was a teacher, um, one of the kids in my class lost a parent, which is a horrific thing for a child to experience. But there was this fucking woman another parent and she kind of appointed herself the angel of death mm. and some people are very into other people's misfortunes some people really enjoy that and i love that bit Yvonne muffling is one of them is yeah. that person um can we talk about how extreme miranda was when she caught brody <laughs> with the with right <laughs> yeah again it's got like the karen should, the karen jumped maybe, all the way out yeah Maybe I should kill myself so you can try crap. <laughs> <laughs> I screamed at that what line. Also, really interesting. Um, what's clearly been happening behind the scenes with why the hell have I forgotten her name? How very rude of me. Um, the actress who plays Miranda. Why have I gone blank? Cynthia Nixon. With Cynthia Nixon. Cynthia Nixon. Because what has been so clever is that she's made herself within one episode or two episodes the ultimate over-apologetic white liberal, but at the same time, the ultimate Karen in, in one. <laughs> yeah. And it was, and I thought that was very w- well played, very, very clever. It's just like, are you, with all the, you know, you let your son <laughs> have sex with his girlfriend in your house, you're going to be upset with him having a puff of a split, really? While he's grieving. He even said it, like, mum, mm. I'm sad. Like, come on. It's very interesting. And again, I think, I think, again, back to what I was saying about Cynthia Nixon, she wanted more to work with. Mm. She, she didn't just want to be, again, spicy redhead lawyer Miranda. Like, what, what else is there? And actually, I'm quite liking these, these light and shade to Miranda that, that we love her, but she can be a dickhead. Mm. Um, and it's funny because seeing her be, a wanker doesn't make me like Miranda less in in some ways it makes me like her more yeah because I like that we're we're watching her kind of make mistakes and that's that's where this show has always won us over we like seeing Carrie get it wrong you know we always have done I think um let's go to because I don't think we've seen the last of her this mysterious Gloria woman big secretary because apparently that's how she likes to be referred to I think we missed the other half of some dialogue around that line. I'm not sure. Did, did Miranda say we don't refer to them as secretaries anymore? Kind of. I think, I genuinely think we cut a line of dialogue there. Um, oh, I think we've not seen the last of her. And mm. I think, I think Mr. Big was a man with secrets. Definitely. Mm. Well, mm-hmm. we know that, or we think that Natasha is going to be making mm-hmm. another appearance. Now, yep. God yep. forbid, and I, it would be ridiculous. I doubt they were having an affair or whatever. But if it came to pass that maybe legally she's entitled to something that wasn't sorted out before they were divorced, that maybe she's had a... Actually, no, she wouldn't have had a kid. No, because Carrie would have found out in the mm. social media. She would have found out. Maybe N- Natasha has some sort of legal like entitlement to something or some business thing of him that maybe Carrie didn't know about, but 
that don't call it Sekishi, Sekishi knows about. There is, there is something on the conveyor belt and it's coming down and the, the, the ominous, you need to come into the office to sort out some paperwork. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, that's never, that's never good. And um, so I, I strongly suspect we've not seen the last of Gloria. Um, it's funny, thinking about this episode, obviously I think we haven't even scratched the surface with Carrie's grief. It's kind of just about her getting through that funeral there's a strange little thread about Charlotte feeling left out. Um, mm. I, I don't know if there's an awful lot to say about that. It, it felt like a little B plot. I was fine with it. Um, but again, lots and lots of stuff for Miranda to do. What do we think of the... Again, I, I don't think I need to be a TV screenwriter to know that we, we're going to be dealing with a drink problem for Miranda and that I think we will be seeing a drinking becoming... A problem? Is, yeah. Do we think this is? Is is that? Do we need this? Do we need this in our lives? I don't think that we do. And I was generally quite surprised by this story. And I was like, I mean, look, life is long, and these women mm-hmm. have been through a lot. But it's like, okay, if we think about Miranda and Steve as as a unit, you know, Brady was a happy accident. You know, he survived cancer, they survived infidelity, you know, the whole, uh, like, I guess, breadwinner struggle in the household. They've been through a lot, like his mum dying, all this stuff. It's like, I mean, look, obviously, I'm no expert in alcoholism, as we know, it is, it is a disease. But I would have thought they would have started the threads of what we're seeing now, maybe in the TV show or early in the film? Well, you see, so here's my thing. Actually, is this someone responsible and saying, look, for 25 years, you've celebrated alcohol in a really overt way. You know, when you think of Sex in the City, you think of Cosmopolitans and Manhattans, the scene in mm. Dubai or wherever, were they meant to be in Dubai? Abu Dhabi, where they are drinking while doing confessions about motherhood. Actually, for 25 years, we've seen these actresses with a glass in their hand. And maybe some little voice in the writer's room has said, are we going to talk about that? True. But and it also some... feels a little, it does feel a little bit killjoy. I, can't, I know, I know, I'm probably, that's probably a really problematic thing to say, but... You know, is that is that where we are now with narrative that if if a person has drunk on television, that there has to be some sort of comeuppance for them, and that's it just a little feels bit a bit what Jack it feels like. Yeah. Mm. But it, but that that reminds me of what I was something I was I noticed about it as a whole. I was really curious about how they were going to deal with because you're right, Juno. Like in the TV show and in the films, it's excess. They're always drinking. They're always buying stuff. They're always going to shit. And in this, there's a, there is a definite shift. Like they're very, it's made clear that they are bougie and they are like well-to-do and they listen to records and drink wine and like order Chablis at 11 in the morning. Um, but it's not, it's certainly not like pushed on you in as much of a blinding way as it was in the TV show and the films, I think. Mm. Like they're just like, they're well-to-do people, like sure, fine. And I, I think, again, I don't know exactly what's coming down the conveyor belt towards Carrie, but I think big, I think there might be some financial stuff coming because if anyone has ever listened to any criticism of those last Sex and the City films, 
it was the grotesque capitalism that like this is mm. not why we got involved with sex in the city and i think carrie might be heading back to her for- apartment Stanford, it's referenced canonically. That, she that, still that, owns that apartment. Apartment. I, I am going to say this now, and maybe I'll be wrong, but I'm going to bet nothing because I'm not a gambling person, but I'm going to bet that Carrie has to sell their big, big house for financial reasons. So yeah. I think Carrie, I think Carrie is going back to her, back to her flat. And just like mm. that, I was back in my apartment. I can hear it. I can mm. see it. Oh gosh. Yeah. At the end. And then cut to black. Yeah. It's happening. Um, Clara, thank you so much for joining us for what thank will, you. I think, possibly be the longest ever edition of So I Got I want to carry on! I, I mean, what, do, do we have... Do, I'm not sure. What else do we have to... What else do we have to say? So I'm not... We, I've got... Um, go I've on. got one thing. So go I was on. curious about what Peloton thought of their inclusion. <laughs> and they've released a statement... And they've said, Mr. Big lives, lived what would what many would call an extravagant lifestyle, including cocktails, cigars and big steaks, and was at serious risk as he had previous cardiac event in season six. These lifestyle choices and perhaps even his family history, which is often a significant factor, were likely the cause of his death. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very well, because Steve, Steve wanted to blame Peloton in one of the scenes where he didn't have a hearing problem. Oh, be consistent writers. Either Steve is deaf or Steve is not deaf. You need to decide. But in one of the scenes where he could hear perfectly well, um, he yeah, he blames the Peloton. And I, I think that there is a theme there, isn't it? Charlotte blames herself. Carrie blames herself. When, of course, the person we should be blaming is Rose Goldenblatt, who is an emissary <laughs> of Satan, who is out to destroy Carrie Bradshaw's life. First of all, by... Lily. Lily or Rose? Oh, so Lily. Lily First of all, by hiding her mobile on her wedding day, and then, <laughs> by, and then by killing her husband. This little bitch. <laughs> yeah, Lily has been sent to destroy Carrie's life. And when are we going to have that thread recognised? Oh my gosh! Um, I mean, that would be a twist, wouldn't it? If if Lily stepped forward and said, "It was me." Yeah, yeah. it was I all. Like I want her to know it was yeah. me. <laughs> Like Game of Thrones moment, kind of Elena Tyrell moment. Tell Carrie it was me. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so yes, um, we will be back next week to discuss episode three. Um, oh, it's it's fun for Dylan and I is turning around these episodes quickly. Um, but um, as a final thought, do you know what? I'm so glad it's back. Me too. I know. I know people are slating it on the internet. But do you know what they did before? There was never a moment with Sex in the City where people didn't say, what the fuck is she wearing? Why are they always talking about sex but never having sex? Why does she sleep in a bra? Why doesn't she marry? (laughs) People have always had a lot to say about Sex in the City. And do you know what? The fact that we're still talking about it, to my mind, says it's still doing something right after all these years. Absolutely. Oh God, I keep thinking about <laughs> Big's hair now from those funeral pictures of him as a young boy. He, obviously, don't think oh, this, yeah. this is fine. This is me just thinking out loud. But he was gorgeous. <laughs> gorgeous. So and that gorgeous. bloody song, I've listened to it so many times now because I love the original. Well, there's those different versions, but um, there's a version with Erica <laughs> Badu, which is gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. I want to the Erica Badu version. It's me. 
Um, I'll send it to you because it's it's, okay, um, yeah. it's not called what it's called, but you'll see what I mean. I, I'll message you. <laughs> right, amazing. Big love. We'll, thank you. Big for love. Me. And thank you, yeah, literally, thank big you. love. Big love. Big oh, love. Oh no! Love. <laughs> Don't forget, you can keep up with us on social media at S-I-G-T-T podcast on Twitter and Instagram and we will be back next week for episode three. Keep sending us your comments but please keep our timeline spoiler free. Until next week, take care. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.